hosting a big game watch party? Well, you've probably got a playbook's worth of things to execute before people start showing up, and the pressure is high. So add Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery, to your pregame prep and get drinks delivered before kickoff. That way, you won't miss a single play. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com slash hosting dash handled. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com slash hosting dash handled. And claim your position as most valuable host. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. And welcome in to the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Conway, at... Colby R. Conway on Twitter with me as always is Matt Sells at The Sells Man. So Matt, I have to start with this. We finally got the prospect news that we were hoping for what feels like months ago, but was really probably only weeks ago. But Christian Encarnacion Strand comes up for the Reds. Terrifying lineup that they now have at their disposal. So Matt, I'll first off ask you, how are you doing? Because I'm I believe I'm contractually obliged to ask you that at this point. But then also, let's not, you know, it's not buried the lead here. CES comes up. This division, is it crazy to think that the division is the Reds? Let's be honest with that offense. It might be. Like, the a legitimate question is being asked, who are you benching in the Reds lineup to fit CES in? Right? Is it arguably Jonathan India, who's been on a slump recently? Or do you not take him out because he's like the, I don't know, the heartbeat of the team as he's been described? Like, who are you taking out of that line? Are you going matchups? Are we platooning this? Are we just rotating dudes in because CES can play a little bit of outfield, third base, and first base? Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. That's not to say you shouldn't go at him. You definitely should. Because the bat's electric. He's got power for days, especially in that ballpark. He should hit for a pretty good average. He can take some walks. So in OBP leagues, he's very nice to have. But it's a real-life baseball problem for the Reds right now, where I, I legitimately don't know. I was going through their roster before we recorded, and I don't know who you take out. Like, is it Votto? Is it, or does that crush like the back half of your lineup? Because Votto is such a wait and you know be patient kind of hitter that it sets up guys like Spencer Steer and Stevenson and Will Benson. I, <laughs> I mean, when you kind of look at it, I mean, perhaps like, I mean, it's, it's not going to affect center field, but TJ Friedel hits lefties well, so right. he he's going to play regardless. I mean, do they maybe Fraley's only going to play against righties for the most part? Do they sit him? against lefties and that opens the door for maybe I mean how do you do this do you so let's just say this let's say Fraley sits against lefties like like he's been the DH is open is it simply as just putting CES in a DH or do they start doing lineup shuffling where maybe they move Vado to DH and then Encarnacion Strand can play first or does he move to third but then Ellie plays DH or do you move Spencer Steer in from the outfield to go to first this is one of those things where yeah, or you could move Jonathan India out, move Matt McLean over to second base, and then put Eli De La Cruz at shortstop, which he also plays, and then have third base open. With CES getting the call, then Jonathan India obviously is having a 
a, a very, very, very good season. He's staying healthy. Double-digit home runs and steals already. 245 average kind of is what it is. I mean, he could be a potential trade piece at this point, right? I mean, he's still young. He's 26, technically getting into the prime of his career. Yeah, Does do, India become a trade option for an arm? Do we uh, have to apologize to, who was it, Ken Rosenthal, who said that Jonathan India might be the guy out when CES comes up? Like Not until he's traded. Then we apologize. Um, there are, by the way, rumors that the Reds are looking at the White Sox arms, like Lucas Giolito might be on the move. I've heard Marcus Stroman could be on the move. Um, interesting talk about Cody Bellinger being on the move, perhaps. Not to Cincinnati, but maybe to Houston. Um, maybe. Uh, m- maybe. I don't know where CES plays. Now, for fantasy, again, I would add him in all formats if he's still there. Um but you might see for guys who are getting regular at bats now, you might see a little bit of reduction as they rotate, you know, pull a, um, you know, Chicago Cubs or the Dodgers who like to move people all around. Um, we might be looking at, or Tampa Bay, we might be looking at one of those situations. In the minors this year, just for the record, he had a 600, he had a 600 plus slug against lefties and righties and an OPS north of 1000 against both lefties and righties. That's insane. And took him this long to get called up. Now, this is a very good problem for the Reds to have, in all honesty, like taking the fantasy out of the the equation here. This is a very, very good problem for the Reds to have. So fantasy is different than reality. Obviously, Reds need an arm. They're going to have to go get an arm. They're... They're going to need one. That division and, is still up for up for grabs. They need an arm to solidify that rotation. And think about it, too. They get healthy. Things kind of shake out. They could go into a playoff series. Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, if he comes back okay. Insert arm here. Or do they trust Andrew Abbott? Like, this is a very good, this is a very good ball club. Yes. Like, out of nowhere, this is a very good team. Yeah, they made the right moves when they traded. Like, I know it sucks for the fans when they fire sell, but this is exactly the blueprint that you want to do. This is exactly what Nationals fans are hoping Mike Rizzo pulled off when they dealt Scherzer and Turner and Soto um, and a couple other guys. Bryce doesn't count because he left on, you know, on his own volition. But, um, you know. This is a very good problem to have if you're Cincinnati and you're in a wide open division and the GM of the Cardinals just came out and said for the trade deadline, we're concerned about the 2024 ball club, not this year. So go get it. (laughs) Go get the division. Absolutely. Go for the division. And also we actually had a couple other uh, intriguing names in the prospect realm come up in Oakland of all places. It is what it is, but power hitting and very, 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 very strikeout prone backstop. Tyler Soderstrom got the call and the speedy Zach Geloff got the call here. Obviously, if you need speed, Geloff's the interesting one, 20 stolen bases in 69 games in the PCL this year. And I believe it was last Friday. We talked about Soderstrom and he can add some pop, but the strikeout rate is a very real concern um, of these two guys. I understand it's kind of comparing apples to oranges because what the one does, the other doesn't. Geloff does have a little bit of pop. I mean, this year he did have 12 home runs and he's got 37 in his minor league career. So it's not like he's a, 
a zero in the power department, but are either of these two appealing in anything other than like deeper formats to you? Um, I would, I would like Geloff more than Soderstrom. Um, I think the average is more real. If we look at Oakland, his time at double a, which is not the hitter Haven that the PCL is Geloff hit 271 with 13 homers and nine steals in 87 games uh last year so i think the power is is pretty decent uh for him it's at least average which we're basically counting as a 20 homer season uh his speed is slightly above average so we're looking at maybe a 2020 infielder um and he doesn't really have the strikeout concern that soderstrom does i realize that soderstrom plays um I guess a slightly shallower position, although second base isn't really that deep, but uh, Soderstrom can fit at first base or catcher. Um, but I would probably take Geloff simply for the higher average and on still the same decent pop with a little bit of speed. And then I guess I should mention, given that it's my team, but Andy Rodriguez is also coming up. Would you take Rodriguez over Soderstrom? Yeah, probably. Um, A, I like the ballpark and division better for Indy Rodriguez. Um, But there's also way less strikeout potential with Indy Rodriguez. There's also, I mean, Soderstrom fits multi-position, but Indy Rodriguez fits second and catcher, which is a more interesting and generally helpful combination. Um, But yeah, I would take Indy Rodriguez over. Tyler Soderstrom, and no, I would not take him over Yainer Diaz. <laughs> yep, fair. I mean, yeah, yeah, I I agree. I agree with that one. But Andy's Andy's very intriguing. I would also take him over 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 Soderstrom as well. So we are in agreement there. And Matt, we got to talk about injuries. It always happens. Let's just talk about this first one. It, it's by definition, it's an injury or an ailment, however you want to call it. For fantasy, it's more of a nuisance. But this cracked fingernail thing keeps coming up. For Otani. Yep. I don't know if it's going to require an IL stint just to kind of, you know, take 10 days and get it right per se. But I mean, at some point, did you just keep running him out there to yank him from the game early? You know what I mean? Like, at what point do the Angels yeah. do anything with this? So I was watching his last start, um, and he came out of the game with the, you know, he was at like 91 pitches, right? So it was kind of like, well, maybe they're just taking him out. But then the trainer came out and you're like, okay, well, it's not, they're not just taking him out because he's 91 pitches. Something happened. But then he batted the next half inning. So I was like, okay, so it's not a serious injury because if it was, they wouldn't let him bat. They plug somebody else into the DH, right? So I don't know what the Angels do it did seem like he went 90 pitches and then it you know irritated him so i don't know if they just give him some ibuprofen or something and say hey go manage it for five innings and then we're good um or they skip a start and let him keep DHing because let's face it if they take that bat out of the lineup right now <laughs> they are way more dead in the water than they already are so it is a bit of a nuisance if you're in leagues in which he's two different guys. Obviously, the hitting side is not affected by this. Um, the pitching side is. But if he's not on the IL, I'm rolling him out there because five innings of Otani is still 
better than a lot of dudes five innings. And I would agree with that too. It does mark. It's now, I think three straight starts where he's left because of the fingernail. Now the one, it came near the end of it when he had dominated the white Sox. but in two starts, basically, if you want to talk about going into it with the fingernail injury, seven hits, five earned runs against the Padres, four earned runs, five total runs, five innings against Houston, tough matchups nonetheless, but at least, yeah. You know, by the way, he hasn't three. beaten, he hasn't beaten Houston this year. He's zero and three against Houston this year. So, I mean, you know, it's his lineup against the the Astros pitchers, but still, it not. I would agree. It's more likely that they were getting ready to take him out because of the stat lines than anything. But it, I, I, it's a nuisance. I don't think he winds up on the IL. I think he just got to roll with it. One person who I do believe is going to go on the aisle is Eloy Jimenez exited the game with left groin tightness and the manager of the ball club had already indicated that Jimenez is going to miss some time. So the middle of the Chicago order takes a little bit of a hit with Jimenez going to be out for a little bit. It's kind of, this is kind of the going rate with Jimenez, right? He's going to be good when he plays and you're just going to deal with these injuries that come up. He's going to miss some time. You'll get him back for a little bit. And then you basically almost, I hate to say it, but have to prepare for the next one. Yeah. By the way, I should have put out a memo that I traded for Eloy about a week before he got injured. So of uh, course, so this is your fault. Yeah. This is this is probably it. my fault. Uh, I needed some pop with uh, Aaron Judge still on the shelf, um, and Jazz Chisholm still on the shelf. So I traded a uh, so-so starter for Eloy. I knew what I was getting into when I made the trade, but it was you know a starter had been so-so. So it's like not giving up that much. Uh, the first reports were that they thought he might be out four to five days and they might not need an IL stint. And I was like, it's a groin strain. I don't think you're not going to the IL if you, if you're yanking a groin. Um, so it's unfortunate. I mean, there's really only one bat right now that we're, that we really care about in the White Sox lineup. And that's Luis, <laughs> Luis Robert. Although Jake Berger, I do have to say is hit 21 home runs for what it's worth. Yeah, that guy's probably still around in a few leagues. Yep, they. That's what I'm seeing too. A couple days, four to five days. It seems like it seems like an IL stint. There's no need. There's no need to push it. The White Sox. Right. Because the other thing anything. is, why would you eat a roster spot for five days with a guy? Like, why would you intentionally play with one less bench spot for basically a week? I mean. Is the thought of Eloy potentially maybe perhaps getting in the game better than anybody else they're going to put in that roster spot? It is the White Sox, if we're being honest. I mean, if you DH him or pinch hit him and he gets on base and then you, you know, pull him for a pinch runner because the guy can't run, maybe, I guess. It's just a weird – I mean, their season's over, so. Well, it's been over. I saw a crazy stat that – uh, it's been more than a year since Tim Anderson's hit a home run. Hmm. I mean, it kind of feels right. Like they mentioned, who was the starter the other? All right. So Tim game? Anderson has a big fat goose egg. I don't think he's hit one since like July 22nd or July 15th of last year or something. Boy, his slugging is in the 260s. Well, when you're not hitting home runs and not a lot of extra base hits, <laughs> it's not a recipe for success in the slugging percentage. July 15th, 2022. Yeah. 
was his last home run. Yeah, I think they said um, Tariq Skubal had time to get injured twice, miss basically an entire season, come back and pitch, and make three starts in the since the last time Tim Anderson hit a home run. Oh my gosh, boy, his power's gone nowhere. I think that's the tweet that I saw was Skubal got injured, has <laughs> missed an entire year, and made three starts. <laughs> Fifty-five of his sixty-five hits this year have been singles. That would be why he has a slugging percentage in 260. Yikes. He has <laughs> more he, he's grounded into more double plays and extra base hits. Anyway, enough with the Tim Anderson slander, but take that. I mean, it's not slander if it's true. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Actually, it might. I have no clue, but we'll see. Um trade I guess deadline. it's not libel if it's true, right? <laughs> yeah, I I I it's been a while since I took journalism courses in college. I don't remember what the two. I know slander. <laughs> I remember slander spoken because of SS. I remember that, but yeah. Whether it's true or not, maybe it's – who knows? That's not our, that's not quite our realm here. But, Matt, right around the corner, kind of, is the trade deadline. Yes. One of the arms that was thought to maybe potentially get floated around there was going to be Mr. Shane Bieber of the Guardians. He now goes to the IL with right elbow inflammation. Teams going to have to feel really comfortable if they are going to want to trade for that. That's even if Cleveland was going to get rid of him in the first place. So, what are the chances – if you had thought Bieber was getting dealt, do you think the chances of that are greatly diminished now or maybe just a little bit? And then how much concern is there around Bieber's right elbow? So from the reports that I'm reading, they don't believe surgery is required. They're basically going to shut him down for two weeks and check on him week by week and then see what happens is essentially what I've heard. I guess it's good news that he doesn't need surgery, but it comes down to how much do we actually trust Cleveland's training staff to know that he doesn't need right because there's certain teams where they go oh he doesn't need surgery and then like three months later you're like yeah he probably should have had the surgery mm-hmm. right like certainly the Mets or the Yankees or uh, at this point the Dodgers right um, I think if he gets traded I think you're right a team has to be a hundred percent confident that his elbow isn't going to have um an issue down the stretch because clearly you're trading for an ace caliber arm to help you with a playoff run. Um, It could just diminish the return that Cleveland gets, which at that point does Cleveland say we'll bite the bullet and try to make it to the playoffs with them and then maybe try to extend them in the off season. Um, It, it certainly puts a damper on things because two weeks from now, the trade deadline is August 1st, right? Him being shut down for two weeks starting today, July 17th, two weeks basically bumps it right up to the trade deadline, right? So it's not comforting if you're looking to trade for him. And Bieber is – he becomes a free agent after the end of the 2024 season. So obviously it's a matter of if they can't deal him now – if they, you know, go through this year, if they don't do in the offseason or at the deadline next year, he basically becomes half a season rental, which is going to reduce some of that trade value further. So this is going to be an interesting one to watch because Bieber was kind of one of the, I know the numbers haven't necessarily been Bieber-like so, this year, but he was one I of the top here's, arms. Here's my question. Would you think that the return for Bieber having a year and a half on his contract and therefore basically two pennant chases is larger or smaller than the potential return for Shohei Otani, who is a free agent at the end of the year. 
I would think Otani has to fetch more, even as a half-year rental. You would think, right? Because you're getting an arm and a bat that are both elite. Versus... Yeah, you're getting an arm better than Bieber this year, and then you're getting a bat that's better than Shane Bieber as well. I'm pretty confident well, in saying I mean, that. A bat. He's at least more <laughs> prodigious at hitting home runs than anybody else in the American League. More or less. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, it, I think this is going to be a really fun deadline. I And especially because I there's a too. lot of teams that we're not used to being buyers around this point. Correct. Are buyers, do they get happy? Like the Reds, we're not used to them. What about you know, the O's? Yeah. The like O's these teams, the, the tides are turning. All these teams the past about couple Diamondbacks. years playing to 2023 or beyond, we're going to get to see some teams buy that don't get to buy. So do they get a little uh, – do they get a little overzealous? Do they get, you know, we'll be we'll be tracking the deadline moves just like we did last year at fancyalarm.com. So you'll have to be check out those as we break those down. And boy, boy, any deal with the Shohei Otani one is going to be a lot of fun to write about, especially with the prospect haul that they'll get. I'll let you write that one up, Matt, because we'll I guess my question is, are they getting more prospects than the Nats got for, for Soto? Because I don't think that's happening. I don't know for a half a year. Right. Because you got Soto for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. For eight prospects. Well, six prospects and two major leaders. Yeah. But um, it's going to be fascinating to watch. For it, sure. it sure will. And then in Boston, looking for another bat to help that lineup. Trevor Story's rehab assignments likely to begin at the some point in this week, likely in the middle of it, Tuesday, Wednesday area. Basically about a three-week window. I, get, I, I believe you can only stay for like rehab assignments for like 20 days. It's, I think it's 21 days, yeah. Yeah, it's 20 or 21. It's in there. So that's going to start that process. I mean, looking at this, he's coming back from the elbow issue. He's coming back to a team that's okay at the very best. Is the best way to kind of approach Story the rest of the way is just being cautiously optimistic? That's, that seems like all you can really do. Like, you know what he is when he plays. Like, there's just – he's he's going to come back. He's going to be fine. He'll probably give you some good numbers. But coming off a major injury like this, I don't think you can be anything more than cautiously optimistic. Correct. I mean, he's not going to be his MVP caliber self, right? It's not like he's going to hit the ground running and within the first week he'll have 10 homers and 10 steals and 400 bad ant, right? Um, but I do think Boston needs a bat. That offense has been up and down basically all season, which is how you basically get to 500. Um, props, by the way, the uh, with a win last night from the Rock uh, from the Red Sox, the AL East is the first division ever in the history of baseball to have all of their teams reach 50 wins before their team played their 95th game of the season. Every team in the AL East has 50 wins. The Red Sox are, I think, 50 and 44, so they did it in 94 games. Everybody in that division has reached 50 wins before their 95th game of the season, which is crazy. Also, Boston's in last place and still only like three games out of the AL wild card, <laughs> which is also nuts. So, I mean, getting a bat back will certainly help them. They have a spot for them. It's not like they're going to have to kick somebody to the curb to go play Trevor Story. You know, put somebody back where they belong to play Trevor Story. Um, but yeah, I, I don't expect him to be an all-star caliber bat in the second half of the season. I think he'll be solid, but that's about all we can expect. I think you are right on the money there. And of course, over at fantasyalarm.com, we do have the MLB injury report. So take a look at that for all of these injuries and more. That's over at fantasyalarm.com. Matt. 
Time for a little flavor of the week. I'm going to go first, keep it short and simple. This past weekend, went, of course, had to make the grocery run, do it at the world-renowned Costco, the cost company. So we go there, got this big old thing of pork tenderloins. We got four different things from Walmart of the that Kinder seasoning. I think it's Kinders. Yep. I think it's what we use. And I was thinking about it. No two MLB trade deadlines are the same. They're all different. They're all unique in their own way. I got this whole package of pork. Two had this seasoning. Two had that seasoning. Three had this seasoning. Two had that seasoning. It came with a boatload of pork. No two deadlines are the same. You have all these different seasonings. You can take this one simple piece of uncooked meat, put four different seasonings on it, and it feels like you have four different meals throughout the whole course of the whole week because each flavor is a little bit different. You get the the brown sugar. You get the barbecue blend, the red garlic, the lemon and herb. I don't know why I said herb. Lemon and herb. <laughs> I was about to call you out on it, so I'm glad you corrected No, I, you know what? Screw it. I'm all about saying the silent letters. I think it makes it fun. <laughs> you, just, you just keep people off guard. But, you know, they have all those different flavors. We just got some other ones that I can't remember because we just bought them. But you can transform anything with just a little bit of seasoning, and it makes everything unique. And I expect this MLB trade deadline to be no different than any past one. It's going to be unique and quite a spectacle in its own regards. Matt, what is your flavor of the week? So mine is also going to revolve around doing some food shopping and a little bit of intestinal fortitude, right? We're talking about yogurt here. Everybody's favorite dairy product, I guess, aside from milk. Um, and the probiotics it gives you. Why? Because you got to be able to trust your gut to digest stuff, right? And trusting your gut and fantasy is key. You, you got to, if your gut is telling you, hey, I got to trade this guy or I want to pick him up or this guy's no longer good, trust your gut. Why? Because your gut tends to be correct more often than not. Secondly, if you trust your gut and you win, you can celebrate yourself. You don't have to go thank everybody else for helping you. And thirdly, if you lose, now you have a lesson. Maybe I read this wrong. Maybe I was reading the wrong data. Maybe I wasn't looking at it right. Or maybe there was just something else going on with the guy that you know was an X factor. But trust your gut. That's basically the key to winning in fantasy, whether it be baseball or football, because we have the draft guide out now. Um, you know, go have some yogurt and trust your gut. Many different flavors of yogurt out there as well. I prefer anything with strawberry banana, but that's just me. Matt, as we wrap up this edition, it's time for everyone's favorite game show. Name that player. So here we go. First one I got for you here. NLE shortstop. Very, very quietly, I have put forth a 254, 299, 420 slash line with eight home runs and 16 stolen bases on the year. Currently, I'm swinging a pretty hot bat and I've actually worked myself to the top of the order in the past couple of games for my team. Sure, my low walk rate is going to suppress my fantasy value in OBP leagues, but I have seven stolen bases in my last seven games. I've only been caught stealing twice all year, and the most recent time was back on May 3rd. What NLE shortstop? has eight home runs, 16 stolen bases on the year, and has actually a very, very sneaky ad for fantasy managers, maybe even in shallow release, because right now, average stolen bases and runs scored, he is producing that. I will go with C.J. Abrams of the Washington Nationals. Yeah, he's been fun to watch. He's now fielding. Gotta gotta start making some better plays there, C.J. Uh, now is the time to learn not in the middle of a pennant race, which should be like 
two years down the road here for the Nats. He's been great. I like him at the top of the, the order. The first series, they let him hit up there. He hit 500 with a walk and a couple of homers and, you know, a couple of steals. That's what you want. I mean, yes. Do I want higher walk rate? Sure. 3.1% walk rate is not ideal. It's better than it was last year. Basically twice that, but that's still not saying very much. So if he walks a little more, keeps swinging the hot bat, we're golden at shortstop there. If you need stolen bases and runs, go add C.J. Abrams. And if you need some pitching help, this next name, that player might be for you. So, Matt, ALE starting pitcher. I was being drafted as an SP3 this year. And after posting an ERA north of seven, a walk rate north of four per nine, and a 2.58 homer per nine, I was sent back to the minors. But, oh, I'm sorry, during my 10 big league starts, I did also post a 26.5% strikeout rate, so it wasn't necessarily all negative. But in my seven minor league starts since my demotion, over 37 in the third innings pitched, 1.69 ERA and a 54 to 15 strikeout to walk ratio. So, Matt, who is this pitcher and what do you expect the rest of the way for this AL East right-hander? I believe I named him last week in my uh, bust part of our first half recap, and it's Grayson Rodriguez, uh, who is coming up and starting today, Monday, uh, for the Orioles. Uh, I think he should be better. I think there was some control stuff that was you know the strikeouts and walks were fine and if you actually look at his um xfip and his sierra and whatnot it wasn't as bad as the era suggests uh, i believe his xfip's like 3.69 and his sierra's 4.10 so not ideal but not bad i expect him to be more in that range down the stretch i think he's figured some stuff out produced some nice strikeout numbers Good ratios for you the rest of the way. Absolutely. I agree there. Should be good the rest of the way, at least better than he was in the beginning. But of course, head over to fantasyalarm.com, promo code ALARM50 for 50% off six months of all access, and make sure you get your hands on the fantasy football draft guide that we got over there. Tons of great content in there. And Matt, we're about to embark on the second half here. I know we're a couple of games in, but looking forward to the stretch getting some MLB trade deadline news, and we'll get that up on the site as well. So give Matt Sells a follow on Twitter, at The Sells Man. I'm at Colby R. Conway, and we will see you later this week with the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.